and welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Do me a favor. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. I'm Johnny Venerable. Joined now, as always, love saying that, by my co-host, Mr. Bo Brock. We're still waiting, Bo, on Frank Sanders and your debut with Frank, um, which I, I joked earlier on Bet's Day was like bringing together my, my two children for the first time. Um, and it looks like we've been stood up. You were, I referred to you as my my mistress's son, and Frank was my my first family. You were part of my second family. He's first family, and, and he, he no-show, but he'll be here. He'll be here. Yeah, he's, he's no-called, no-showed. He's just going to show up hopefully late, uh, kind of like I used to do back in the day and probably will do in the future. I mean, we haven't sure. remedied that situation. But, yeah, it was going to be the debut of the big three. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're just going to be a little bit tardy on that, and that's fine. We've got enough to talk about, but I can't wait to get with the uh, with our playmaker, friends. Yes. yes, and speaking of playmakers, Bruce Arians uh, certainly made a lot of plays here in the desert uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. Horrible transition there, work. but it was a he, shoot there. it was it was real bad. Uh, but his his time in Arizona was not. He retired again yesterday, Bo, for the second time. I'll be honest with you. When he came out, um, number one, I was expecting. Bruce to retire after this past season when Brady retired and we didn't get that. So maybe I, I had kind of put it past my mom. It was still a possibility, but he's now officially, officially retired going into some kind of capacity with the Buccaneers in their front office with former Cardinal executive, Jason light as their GM. Uh, so we thought we'd put some time on the old agenda today to talk about Bruce Arians and his legacy with the Cardinals and, and both specifically, I mean, you covered, uh, a lot of those Arians teams here in the desert. When I say Bruce Arians and the Cardinals, what do you think of? I mean, I just think of the most uh, successful era of Arizona Cardinals football. And people will say, well, what about the Super Bowl years under Coach Wiz? I mean, those were some thin years. And I give a lot of the credit to the Kurt Warner resurgence during those years because that was really kind of the straw that stirred the drink. Bruce Arians, he found sustained success for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, national relevance and they were legit. And I think he was the guy that Michael Bidwell, when he really kind of took over the reins of this franchise in the early two thousands, and they made the move from Sun Devil stadium to university of Phoenix stadium. Now state farm stadium in Glendale, that they were looking for a football culture changer. And Bruce Arians just kind of fell in their lap. He wasn't their first choice. He was like the last coach hired of that class. And he comes over from Indy where he did an incredible job filling in for Chuck Pagano and getting them to the postseason Andrew Ruck's rookie season. Pinch hitting, Bruce Arians comes over and just immediately makes an impact. They make the deal for Carson Palmer, who I think owes Bruce Arians a lot for his career resurgence. Larry Fitzgerald yep. owes him a lot. Tons of coaches. Todd Bowles, who's getting the uh, the you know the promotion to head coach, owes Bruce Arians a ton for his career. So I just think that, you know, even though he came up short as far as he, he didn't take this Cardinals team to the Super Bowl, he took them the NFC Championship game and they got their doors blown off. But still, those teams uh, each and every year had the Valley captivated. And for a short moment, I think that this was a football city that he yeah. kind of changed the tide a little bit and legitimized this organization nationally. And they and they were relevant. Most wins by a Cardinals head coach. You can't deny. I think he was the, he's the goat as far as the cards go. Head coach. Well, especially like the winning percentage well above 500. I mean, Wiz and Hunt stacked a lot of wins, uh, but they were front loaded, as you mentioned, with those Kurt Warner years and then got progressively worse. Uh, 
you know, I and and you could make an argument, you know, those couple last couple of years with Arians, they weren't great, but I mean, he was winning games with Blaine Gabbert, Drew Stanton. Uh, I think the biggest knock on Arians was that, and I'm only going to bring this up once, then I will applaud Bruce Arians, who I think is the greatest coach in franchise history. That 2017 draft with Mahomes and Watson and Mitch Trubisky and everybody thinking the Cardinals would trade up from pick 13. It's the only thing I hold against Bruce because I, I do believe Steve Keim wanted a quarterback. I think if, if Bruce Arians had gone to Steve Keim and said, I'm going to coach for another five to seven years, let's get our guy, right? They would have traded up for somebody whether yeah. that be Trubisky or Mahomes or Watson or who, whomever, right? I believe Bruce Arians was letting everybody know, hey, let's let's continue to go all in, right? Like the year before when they brought in Chandler Jones in 2016, let's go get another pass rusher, let's bring in Hassan Reddick. And I, I really do think that that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back because I think he had too much confidence in Carson Palmer toward those tail end of his, of, of his career in Arizona. With that being said, the peak years were the best in franchise mm -hmm. history. You, you cannot dispute that going. That team in 2012 was unwatchable. And then for them to go in the toughest division of football the next year with two teams that went to the NFC title game and, and winning 10 games that year, I was at the finale against San Francisco. They lost on like a last second field goal. That Niner team would, would go on to play the Seahawks in the NFC title game. And I just thought to myself, like, this team does not have nearly as much talent as their divisional counterparts. And that was a week after they, they beat Seattle in Seattle and they're doing it with, you know, a bunch of middling uh, average players on the roster. Really the meat of the roster was time. It was his first year. They were kind of signing a bunch of guys to one year contracts. The one thing I, I always remember about Bruce Arians was you may not win every game, but you never felt that you were at a distinct disadvantage from a coaching perspective, especially when he was humming with Todd Bowles, you felt like you could go into any matchup, no matter the depth of the roster, no matter who's playing quarterback, unless it was Ryan Lindley, right? That you felt like you had a good chance to win. And I think that that, that is the biggest compliment I can give any coach. I love Cliff Kingsbury. I hope he does well, but I mean, there are some Sundays it's like you got out coached by Dan Campbell. You got out coached by Frank Wright on Christmas day, right? With Bruce Arians. It was like, man, I don't know if we're going to be competitive this weekend. Oh, we won by two touchdowns? That That's the kind of coach Bruce Arians was. He was an ass kicker. He would he was the definition of winning ugly, right? They could win games. They won that game against the Rams in 2014. I think it was on, like, Saturday night, the the day he proclaimed them the forever 8-8 eight and eight team. And, like, I think they had a bunch of field goals, and he and Todd Bowles just went in and put on a defensive clinic. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's the greatest head coach for now in franchise history, without question. I mean, he won on the field, obviously from the sidelines. Uh, him working with Steve Keim, they churned that roster and they got it to where they wanted. And yeah, it it put them in win now mode. And that and it it was unfortunately the result was the 2018 team it was a disaster after yeah. those guys. It kind of it was a mass exodus, especially from losing BA and losing your quarterback was just enough to just crush it as you said the straw that broke the camel's back but you know ba won the press conferences the you know, opening press conference 60 and sexy baby you know that just just crushing it killing it there and then also he was a guy that would he won off the field he he won he he's winning like without the rooney rule and without this this rooney rule too i mean he's a guy yeah. that without pressure from the nfl was creating opportunities that were that the NFL still lacks in, you know, yes. Todd Bowles getting Great this out. He's a head coach. He's incredible. Jen Welter became the first coach of any capacity for a woman. Uh, she came on as a, as a, as an intern back in the day. Yeah. And Arizona needed 
the Bruce Arians era because I was looking it up and it's like those were some thin years for the other pro franchises in this area. Uh, the, the win percentages, the Suns, three or 37% of the games they were winning during that time. Same thing for the Coyotes. The D-backs, 47% they were winning their games. They had one playoff appearance. So there just wasn't anybody in town. It was the only game in town yeah. with Bruce Arians in, in the Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, you know, 2016 and 2017, they were disappointing at the end of the year, but those were still solid rosters. They were still in most every game. They were disappointments at the end of the year, and I don't think VA would get away from that and de- deny that. But those were some teams that people thought, okay, 16, they had Super Bowl expectations, felt horrendously short. 17 was supposed to be the rebound, and Carson Palmer broke, you know, had the break on his arm in mm-hmm. London, and they got blown out by the Rams, and then the rest of the season's history. But Bruce Arians, you know, what he was able to accomplish in about a decade of being on the sidelines and having to wait until he was 60. To be a head coach, I mean, a tip of the cap, much respect to the King, uh, Bruce Arians, uh, for an incredible career on the sidelines, and best of luck with your, what he's up to next. Poor Bruce. Uh, his kryptonite was Sean McVay, dating back to his time in Arizona, and then in Tampa. They got swept by the Rams this year. Poor guy just can't beat that little guy, Sean McVay. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was on an airplane uh, traveling for work, and I, w- I remember – streaming that game on an airplane watching them get their brains beat in by McVeigh in London and I'm like man this really does feel like like the end of an era um I I do think that you know had Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime been able to keep him in house they would have had a second run of success here no doubt about it I think if they would have been able to find a quarterback that Bruce liked in the draft um I I do think that they would have put together some playoff teams um in 2019 2000 or uh 2020 um, but I, I do think that Kyler Murray wouldn't be an Arizona Cardinal either. So, you know, it's a, it's a give and take approach and right. Tampa really doesn't have a, a contingency plan when Brady retires. We saw that. Um, and we wish Todd Bowles nothing but respect, but you know, you put something in the rundown today. I think it's worth discussing Bo. I mean, so Bruce Arians leaves Arizona, unlike what he just did in Tampa where he had Todd Bowles ready made the Cardinals didn't keep any assistance outside of Byron Leftwich. When he left. Um, and so do you think the Cardinals would have been better served keeping more of his staff on the roster in 2018? Or is that just a ticking time bomb given the, the lack of personnel? I think they had their fate would have been the same as Steve Wilkes and his staff with just how the yeah. roster was in place. Would they have approached? I mean, they still thought that Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen was going to be the quarterback room and Mike Lennon uh, to compete in the NFL. And it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um so I, if it's James Betcher and that was what the report was that BA wanted James Betcher, the defensive coordinator that succeeded uh, a guy like uh, Todd Bowles and was successful. He had yeah. a lot of, you know, decent players on his defense, but we've seen Betcher kind of jump around post Cardinals career. I don't think that he has any more success than Steve Wilkes and is likely probably one and done just as much as Wilkes is. So I bet you're probably saved from that. Uh, but I do like the move. I think that Bulls got a raw end of the deal in New York with the yeah. Jets. There wasn't a lot of talent to play with on that roster. And, and he, you know, what he did in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs was masterful. And anytime that they, the stage was a little bit bigger, that defense certainly came to play. And Todd Bowles was the main reason for that. Yeah. Todd, I think greatest defensive coordinator in Cardinal history, even for that two-year period in 2013-2014. I mean, I think their defense was 
top three in the NFL in 2014, and they and they probably would have been better had the offense not tapered off at the end of the year because they had no quarterback play. I do think that 2014 Cardinal team, Bo, if Carson Palmer stays healthy, I mean, they they themselves could have made a deep run. I think at, at the very worst, they would have been a divisional round contender. Who knows? Could they have gotten a first or second round bye? <clears throat> but those damn St. Louis Rams, they knocked out Carson Palmer. Drew Stanton got hurt, um, and they opted to to go with Ryan Lindley, and that that didn't work out. Both of Bruce Arians' playoff exits in Arizona came via the Carolina Panthers um, and Cam Newton. Uh, and, of course, you mentioned the 2015 NFC title game. We thought maybe we'd get an NFC title game this year. Uh, we did not. Uh, the Cardinals lost in the first round of the playoffs. We're going to talk about what potential win projection looks like from the folks in Vegas. And speaking of Vegas, college basketball fans, you've got a chance right now to join in the action during the biggest tournament of the year. The Final Four is this weekend. We can't wait. Head on over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets. If that, It's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. It's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code PHNX. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. Make sure to use that promo, promo code PHNX. 21 and over. Arizona only gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customer only. You do have to deposit a minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See dr- DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for more details. Uh, Jalen in the chat says, I remember Larry saying he thought that 14 team was better than 15 that got to the NFC Championship game. I would agree because um, John Abraham was unbelievable that year. Um, And the next year they went with Dwight Freeney. He's a little bit older, right? I thought the defense in in 2014 was was damn good. I, I I thought it was better than the 2015 unit. Well, they had a healthy honey badger too. Oh, that's great. Matthew was uh, was missing uh, towards ACL. I think the night they clinched was that Thanksgiving night, and then he yeah. wasn't there the rest of the year. And it was part of it. Uh, Cam Newton and in Carolina having having a field day in that NFC Championship game. It didn't help that Carson Palmer was a turnover machine in that game. But uh, yeah, I mean, down two quarterbacks, and no team's going to have much success in the playoffs. But that was the next man up team. And that was a that was another like staple of, of Bruce Arians that that we'll remember forever. What was your favorite like quote? I mean, everybody loves no risk it, no biscuit. I liked coach him hard, hug him harder. I also mm-hmm. appreciated that uh, he he would kick his coaches out of the out of the facility if they were too late. Like he, he had a big like he was big on work life balance. Like he didn't want guys there through late at night. He also had a larger coaching staff than most teams. And a lot of the coaches helped develop each other and coach each other. And a big emphasis on learning. And I just thought that Bruce Arians had, had the right, you know, plan in place. I just, in today's day and age, and again, this is not me dogging on Cliff Kingsbury. I can't trust half of what Cliff says because especially from an injury front um, and certainly from a progression front, like Cliff will tell us one thing and then Sunday will be completely different. Right. With Bruce Arians, you knew if a guy like Justin Bethel or DJ Humphreys was not producing and then thus would not see the field on Sunday, right? right? 
Um, he would tell the truth for the most part. Now, dr- draft season, he would lie. Remember, he lied about Logan Thomas and company. But like during the season, you wanted a straight answer on the player. You got one. And I I can appreciate that. Cliff does does some things differently. He's much more. I mean, Bruce was a player coach. I think Cliff has taken that to another level with the cell phones. I, I, players seem to really love Cliff Kingsbury, which is fantastic. But like you, Bruce commanded the respect because he worked with Roethlisberger and Manning. To your point, he had years of experience in the league to the point where like I remember when they hired him, he was the last coach hired in that hiring cycle. Basically, because if you go back and look at the article clippings, like the Cardinals could not get interviews with some of the other coaches. They were they were declining. Uh, the Chicago Bears had met with Arians and he thought he was going to get the Bears job. Remember that? And and he wanted to bring on Bulls and run a three, four. And the Bears were like dedicated to their ancient 4-3 and they said no you can't have Todd and then he, he didn't get the job he thought he was going to get the job that was uh what's Mark his name Tressman. Mark Tressman a nerd uh, coach I mean Canadian football I was uh just so the Cardinals were very patient I think to uh their to their credit even though a lot of guys passed on them um so it worked out they were they were two two different parties that at the end of the day were ignored to the point where it was a, it was a beautiful marriage mm-hmm no, it was. It was. He was the right coach at the right time for this organization, and it uh, it got him to the next level. And it set a, a bar that Cardinals fans aren't going to let the organization now. There's some accountability there. Like when they had that thin year in 2018, when they don't perform, you know, 2019, Kyler Murray's first year, I think there was a little bit, fans were a little, like, let's see how this goes. Yeah. It's at least an exciting rookie. Um, they're not going to let this team underperform any longer. What is happening here? Oh, oh, oh. oh. What's up, fellas? Look at this sneaky guy. The show is in town, baby. Let's go. This is Saul Bookman, for those of you who don't know. He is a staple on this program, the GM of PHNX and PHNX Cardinals. Uh, Saul, welcome. We're talking favorite Bruce Arians memories as he retires for the second time. Do you have a memory? Awesome. No, you know, listen, I, I, I I love the practice shorts with the high gym socks at spring, you know, at uh, you know, at training camp, I'm gonna miss that. I always thought that he has uh, you know how people wear those like you know when they have like leg clots, they wear those like high socks. That's what uh, that's the gym that that's the Bruce Arian special. So I'm gonna miss that. Um, and I just love the fact that he would just tell you like it is. Yeah. Like he, he didn't hold anything back, and that's something that the valley um desperately needed it needed at the time. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we got a little taste of it for, for a little while. And um, I think the way he left was kind of shitty, but, you know, hey, it is what it is, man. Sometimes, you know, longevity isn't cut out for everybody, and it clearly isn't cut out for Bruce Arians. So, uh, hey, safe travels, my friend. Have a, good, have a good rest of your life. Not only did he have, like, the Keith Van Horn tube socks, he had the zinc on his yeah. nose. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Third look. Hey! Everybody's joining this party on a Thursday afternoon. Mr. Frank Sanders is in the house. Frank, welcome. He told me he had an old man moment. He is on the show now. Sorry, hey, Saul. This, this is, <laughs> I'll let you guys. He says, he says, sorry, Saul. <laughs> That's fine. No apology to me. That's fine. Sorry, Rundown was sent at 1130 this morning. Uh, what a way to welcome our new co-host, Mr. Bo Brock, Mr. Frank Sanders. Hey, boy, I'm sorry about that. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Frank, man, it's great to get on air with you. I'm finally glad to uh, we could get you on the show. No big deal. You know, just apologize to Saul and everything's all good. Saul, I apologize. <laughs> I pulled an old man moment. I'm sitting here at the house 
waiting and, and just you know chilling, chilling, waiting. And I dozed off. That's, I literally that's, like I literally that's, like, that's, I literally that's what all people off. do is they doze I, off. I, I, so I, <laughs> I pulled a I pulled a BA. We was talking, I was sitting like I'm just I'm gonna wait till the show kicks on. I'm just right here waiting. And next thing you know, my phone rings is my buddy Ruben Martinez. He's like, hey, where you at? Why you not on the show? I'm like, show out. And now I'm like I'm pulling a firestorm to get everything. We owe ready. Ruben a big thank you. Hey, Ruben Martinez yeah, out thank there. You, thank you, Ruben. Uh, Mr. Bo Brock, you want to talk some D-Hop? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we've got our finally we've got a resident receiver back on the on the on the show because but Johnny and I just did a complete disservice talking a lot of wide receiver on Wednesday. And now we can finally talk about it with you, Frank Sanders, who I have to I have to admit, I saw Frank Sanders playing one of the wildest games I've ever seen live. It was the old Cardinals NFC East days in FedEx Field in Washington. Jake Plummer went for five total tutties, three of them on the ground in a 45-42 win over Washington. Frank, you remember that game? I, I do. Jake was uh, pretty spectacular that day, man. That's uh, one of his probably one of his glaring highlight moments. And uh, I, it was raining. It was wet. It was nasty. It was ugly. We were down. We were winning. We were losing. And next thing you know, uh, we ended up pulling out a great victory. But it was uh, it was a hell of a fall game, man, because technically – we didn't think the Washington Redskins would play that good. They had Michael Westbrook and Stephen Davis and um, just didn't think they was going to be that good. They were, they had sucked up the whole season, they, but everybody became a champion versus another champion team, right? No, <laughs> they just came out and laced us. Saw they laced us. But at the end of the day, we pulled out a, a victory. It was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty emotional game. One good ride on the way back from DC all the way to Phoenix. That was the theme for that team that year, man. Like you guys fell behind like every single game and then came back in every single game. It was uh it was definitely the you guys were the cardiac cards that year, man, because you guys just pulled it out time after time again that in that nine and seven season, man. It was pretty crazy. That was the only time I had season tickets for the Cardinals in the south end zone was that one year to watch my man Frank right here and company go to the playoffs for the first time in the valley, man. It was pretty good. We had they just put together a roster, man. We actually had players, and uh, we had to try to figure out how to become a team. And uh, we had not had the idea of what it felt like to be a team because we had lost so much. My first couple of years was pretty bad. 95, 96 um, season was just trying to figure it out. And we added a couple of pieces. We added Lomas Brown, um, and he was he was, he was was the conduit to our offensive line gelling. I tell you guys this all the time about my first two years. My quarterback was Dave Craig. It was Boomer, Boomer Sison, John Buck, Stoney Case. A lot of those guys, uh, they just got beat up because we didn't have the offensive line that had continuity. Lomas Brown was a jail that brought our offensive line together. These guys hung out, they drank, they partied, they know what they were doing. Um, but Jake, once Jake came in, they gave uh, – Lomas had the guys, they had the leadership where these guys would block for him and do what he was supposed to do and give that rookie time. And I mean, it was a great season. I, I do say that much. Um, and if right after that, guess what we did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't yeah. have to talk about that. You know, it's kind of funny, it's kind of funny that Bo mentioned uh, the Washington team uh, or that Washington game because a season or two before that with Boomer, Boomer had a phenomenal game at Washington as well. But but this time they were not – you guys weren't able to pull it out because uh, you guys went to, I think, overtime or something like that, and Gary Clark caught it in the back of the end zone uh, like from like 50 yards out, and it was just like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Pretty bad, man. Pretty bad. A lot of, a lot of good opportunities with Jake. A lot of good comebacks. 
Johnny, you look confused, buddy. Are you you good? No, no. I'm just letting you guys reminisce. Old you old timers here in the chat, letting you guys reminisce. <laughs> Got an old man, old timer. People jumping into the stream. Our stream, I you know, I keep a pretty tight ship here and jumping in <laughs> midstream. We've gotta we've gotta run down the stick. Do you want to reminisce about late night? I'm sorry, I'm football? sorry. Go ahead. No, Let's no, talk no, about no D-Hop, baby. Let's talk about one of the greatest receivers in Cardinals history. Let's one of the other it. greatest receivers in Cardinals history. Hey, look, Mr. Bo Brock, yeah. tell us about D Hop and his rehab, would you? Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins today put up on his Instagram him just putting in the work in the pool. We've got that video, right? And he had some inspirational quotes behind it with uh, Denzel, I think, was voicing it yeah, too. Let's, let's run it. Let's go. There he's going. Yeah, bring it back up. It's looking great. If you're watching us on YouTube, keep working, keep striving, never give up. Fall down seven times, get up eight. It's just your wide receiver one is ready for a bounce back, which is a big misconception, right? Because DeAndre Hopkins was having a pretty damn good year before he went out. He was on pace for 15 touchdowns. He was going to go over 1,000 yards receiving. People said he was down, but that's because they were looking at as a 10-game scope, but he only really played in eight. Look, I listen to you guys talk about D-Hops, and I'm excited about everything. I'm, I'm glad the things you pointed out, how good he is, what he means to this team, um, what he means, honestly, personally, to Kyler Murray of having a stud receiver on the outside that he knows he can trust. So to see him rehabbing and putting himself in a position where he's showing that, I like that because I had a bunch of question marks on how much we should affect, how, how much we should pay attention to what we do in the draft and the receivers we bring in because we hadn't seen them work out. We don't know what his what his status looked like. We didn't know what he where he was at in his rehab process. But to see him just showing videos that he looks like he's in the process of still being able to run, of course, this is a, a low-impact drill by running in the water. But what would be special is that if he continually does that, that'll give us a chance to kind of still figure out what we should do in the draft. If he's going to be our number one receiver, will he be healthy at the, at the start of September? Or will we have to wait till mid-October, you know, October, November before we really put him into play? He's approaching 30 years old, uh, and he's due uh, $18 million this year, and it jumps up to $30 million next year. Um, and we've heard Cliff Kingsbury multiple times this offseason say that when he went down last year, he, he meaning Cliff, did not do a good enough job diversifying the offense and, and making it go. Um, I think it's a talent problem right now behind DeAndre Hopkins. I think you, you are putting pressure on him, which is great. He's a top three to five receiver at his position, uh, and he and Murray have tremendous chemistry. But we're, we've talked about this week, like what's Rondell Moore's route tree going to look like in 2022? Is he going to be a rhythm receiver? That's why I think as we as we gear up toward the end of April, that position is under the immense microscope. And I think with the lack of urgency this front office has, adding another receiver in free agency, they better be sure to get a counterpart to D Hop to take some of that pressure away. Because I, I just feel like if they lose Hopkins again for any amount of time, th this receiving core will suffer significant significant bearings. But if you go out and you get a competent player to grow along Hopkins and Kyler Murray at pick 23, you're in really good shape. You know, Frank, you've talked about it, the, the, the fact that you, you had tremendous support at the receiver position when you got to Arizona with Roy Green. You know, Fitzgerald talks about, you know, what his relationship was like with Anquan Bolden. You know, the Cardinals really never able to find that heir apparent with Fitz in his prime. They tried with Michael Floyd. It didn't work. Andre Roberts, John Brown, nothing stuck. Now you've got DeAndre Hopkins. Like the Cardinals are would be best served finding a, a running mate for him for these next couple peak years of his career. Because I mean, he's going to get very expensive, and so you're putting a lot of ownership on him. 
I just think that they have to double down at pick 23. I, I'm 100% Bo in the you've got to take a receiver at 23 now. Yeah, I mean, we saw it play out at the, at the end of the season, but having a motivated DeAndre Hopkins is a big W for the Arizona Cardinals, and it's not a guy that lacks motivation at all. But the fact that he's putting out there, he's putting in the work, uh, eight red zone catches for eight touchdowns, I mean, he was just money in the bank for the Arizona Cardinals. And we saw during at the end of the year, red zone offense was just completely different, even with Zach Ertz being a part of this equation. So if you can get somebody to where you can have that Ball back playing. If 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 Nook isn't there, then that's yeah. perfect for the Arizona Cardinals. You have to. That's what the Cardinals did in the past. You know, when you had Larry Fitz and 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 Bolden. You know, they didn't just rest on their laurels and think, okay, we, we're good with Anquan. Like, like they they needed. You need to have two bona fide wide receivers that can that can own their side of the field to to really dominate in the NFL. And the Cardinals are close. They got half that equation. But a lot of teams only have half that equation, and they never find the second piece. Um, so I'm, I have high hopes that, and I agree with both of you that they'll they'll find that guy in the draft. They got to, they have to, because I I feel like the plus of drafting a high caliber wide receiver is higher than than what you would get at a high caliber defensive end right now, especially in this league and the pass happy league that it is. And if you really want to exhaust the potential of Kyler and really take advantage of these next year, this next year or two, um, if you do not give him an extension, you you need to do that now. I just I'm done giving Vance Joseph first round defensive players in the short term. I, I have no interest. I have no interest in it. I have no interest in doing that. I've seen it two years in a row, and they do not play. So I I am I'm confident in Cliff Kingsbury to at least play young players offensively. So, and they have just, I, you can make an argument. It's edge rusher and wide receiver. And then number three is probably three technique on the defensive line. But to me, we've talked about it. The edge rushers, I think that will be um, worthy of that pick will not be there. I think the edge rushers are going in the top 10 to 12. Whereas we have talked about it, six to seven receivers could go in the first round. A lot of them fit what the Cardinals want to do, whether it's Burks from Arkansas or, of course, Drake London or Jamison Williams. They will have options upon options. There was a tweet that came out this morning by Matt Miller of ESPN saying that everybody expects the two Ohio State players, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, to go really high, which means it's going to push a lot of guys down. So if you figure those two guys go in the top 12, Cardinals at pick 23. Now, they're not going to have the ammo to trade up for anybody, but I, I do think if they sit back, even with Green Bay ahead of them and New England, They'll be in a good spot, and I, I would not have any issue flipping a future fourth or even a future third if you loved the guy and wanted to get up inside the top 20. would not bother me at all. Let me ask you this, guys, guys this question. All three of you guys, we have, since I have you here, we've been talking about you know what receivers should be drafted and potential not. You know, A.J. Green, nobody – some people are not wanting A.J. Green back, but what happens when you have your star receiver who we just watched in the water working out, getting himself together? He asked for Julio Jones. And that's another older receiver, veteran receiver. Would you guys be opposed to our D-Hops putting on LeBron James and going to get his old band of married men that he think that would be good on his team to make his other side look good? Like, he's asking for Julio Jones. No one's asked for Julio Jones but D-Hops. How do you guys feel about that? Go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead, poo-poo all over this idea, and I'm going to tell you why you're fucking wrong. I would love, I would love it if they brought in uh, Julio Jones because – that would assure pick 23 gets a lot of reps because Julio Jones does not play games anymore in the NFL. He is on injured reserve. He is in the training room. 
So if they bring in Julio Jones tomorrow and they sign him, if I'm Jamison Williams or I'm, I'm, I'm Drake London, uh, I pick 23. If I'm Burks from Arkansas, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm playing a ton. Julio Jones can't stay health worth his shit. So yeah, I would be, I'd be completely fine with that. That's how I feel about it, Saul. <laughs> Listen, Julio Jones can still ball and he can ball better than AJ Green. I don't give a shit if it's 10 games or two, those two or 10 games will be better. They just are. I, and I'm not a firm believer in AJ Green. He disappears way too much for my liking. So I don't want to see that again. I don't need to see a fourth quarter AJ Green anymore. I'm done with that that experiment. So you might as well try another old head, if you will, um, and bring in Julio Jones. I'd like to see it. You know, listen, uh, Tannehill sucks too, and he's wildly overrated. And Kyler Murray is not Ryan Tannehill. So to have Julio Jones in the fold, um, yeah, I think can only make Kyler Murray just a little bit better than he already was last year. So that's what I'd like to see. And that's why you're wrong. It would just be a blast. I mean, to, to sound like a dork after all these guys, you guys throwing down the gauntlet here. I mean, I think that Julio Jones, if you put him with, with DeAndre Hopkins and, and you probably add a young guy maybe in the second round instead of the first at that point, uh, I mean, you you start kind of cooking with grease there instead of just right now you've got DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, and Antoine Wesley because that's not enough. And I'm I'm kind of fearful that this organization is feeling like it did with the cornerback room last year at this time. Like, hey, we trust our guys. We, we scouted these guys. We drafted them and in, in brought them into our organization, and we're going to roll with them instead of bringing some new faces and some new talent. That That's the thing. I, that, I think that's nightmare scenario for me. Who do we I, trust? I, I don't I trust don't, any of these guys. I don't believe that they're going to go that route anyway. I think that they feel like they, they feel confident in their wide receiver room as is. And I do feel like they've set themselves up to draft somebody. Um, and, and, and I will say this, Julio Jones might be an option after the draft. It won't happen beforehand for sure. Like there's no way I'd rather take my gamble that I'm going to get a quality high level wide receiver in the draft then sign somebody prior to that and then have to release them maybe down the road. Um, I'd rather just see if I can get a, a quality, um, you know, guy like maybe Chris Olave does drop. You know, a lot of guys, listen, NFL GMs by and large are full of shit anyway. Um, and there it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors. I wouldn't trust any of them. Not a one. I don't care if my wife was an NFL GM. I wouldn't trust her for shit right now. I'm going to trust my gut and say, listen, this is how it's going to go. Let's just wait and see how the draft unfolds. Get ourselves a nice quality player at 23 and then move on. Um, you, you I, write that I, down. I do think you made a good point there, <laughs> Mr. Bookman. Uh, the, the, the closer we get to the draft, it's in the best interest of a lot of these free agents to wait it out because you're probably going to get more money after uh, the last weekend in April when teams maybe strike out on a pass rusher or receiver or whatever. Um, so I, I do agree with you there. I just don't, I think the Cardinals have shown us who they're going to be this off season. When you have the Rams going out big game hunting and bringing in Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson, and the Cardinals have no incentive to do the same. That is telling you for, for whatever reason, until we get Steve Kime in front of a microphone to talk about this inactive period, we, we just have to take them at face value. I, I don't expect a significant addition. If you ask me, gun to my head right now, if, if they're going to bring in a Julio Jones, I would say hell no. They're bringing in guys who are uh, special teamers, um, low value, maybe high potential, and Malik Turner. But I they they have they have gone the entire month of March without bringing in a free agent of note. They are playing in the 
fourth or fifth tier of free agency in March, which, t- which tells me everything I need to know. They are they are resting on their extensions. That's what they're doing. All because all because the Rams are throwing around money doesn't mean that's the smart thing to do either, though. Yeah, ninety million dollars on a thirty-two-year-old linebacker. And Bro, yeah. Obviously. Well, what are the guarantees? I. I don't think it's a good contract either. I don't. I think he's overpaid, and he looked washed toward the end with Seattle. I'm using that as an example of, like, the Cardinals should have been in on Allen Robinson, not the Rams, when the Rams already have Cooper Cup, right? And they, they have Van Jefferson. They have some of these upside players. Um, they, they they bailed off of Odell Beckham. They they stay aggressive. Like, that's what I used to love about Kime. I would always back Kime from the fact that he takes big swings, but he'll miss. Like you can't suck at the draft and not take big swings in free agency, dude. Listen, he has sucked at the draft and he's taking big, taking big swings in free agency. And where the fuck has that gotten us? Well, like it's gotten you your best you player. Your best, up the narrative. your best players came from free agency, though. Hopkins, Chandler <sighs> Jones. I, I just if you had to rank the top five players on this roster, large majority of them were you know Rodney Hudson came in free agency. Um, so he. How many Pro Bowlers is he? Rodney Hudson was a trade. Well, it happened in free agency. They'll happen at the peak of free agency. They have gotten Buda Baker and Kyler Murray in how many drafts since 2013? Those are the only two Pro Bowlers I can think of. That's well, it. The fun, yeah, hey, the funny thing about everything y'all saying right now, honestly, is that Hassan Reddick is gone, who's now a top player. Chase Edmond, who's gone, was a potentially top player. And Christian Kirk. Twenty million dollar guy, he's gone. Who was drafted to this guy? They're gone. Don't bring That's up the beauty. Hey, we developed him, and now he's about to go lace up the AFC North, South, without a problem. That's what he's got to do. Go lace it up in in Jacksonville. I hope you. You will be pissed when he gets hundred when he gets one hundred and twelve balls, seventeen hundred yards, and and and, and twenty two touchdowns. You'd be like, what happened? Twenty-two touchdowns. Yes. Oh my God! And seventeen hundred yards. Yes. Yes. It's got Trevor Lawrence. Bo, listen. Let's have Bo needs to speak because I he's been holding back. I need to hear Bo speak uh, because every time we talk, his mic cuts out and it just basically mutes him, and that's not fair. So everybody, shut up and let Bo talk because he has something to say. You you have me follow up Christian Kirk seventeen hundred yards and twenty touchdowns. That that you just wanted me to to do that, but uh, I, they're not going to miss Christian Kirk. Have the Arizona Cardinals had more W's this offseason or L's? They probably have more losses because they, they let as far as what production exited this team, but they also kept a lot of their touchdowns on the roster as well. I think that what they they're just bargain shopping. They put themselves in this tough position, but. Now they have to do the for, for the first time in the Steve Kime era. He's got to be a blind squirrel finding a nut this this draft. He's got to, and it's not just the first round; it's the second round and the third round. And maybe he's he's sitting on a trade that he's actually got on his resume pretty successful doing. You know, I, I just as far as the Cardinals go this offseason, it's not enough. But in a, even in a weak NFC, but when you look at the Cliff Kingsbury, say, hey, when you when you got a chance, you got to take advantage of that chance. I don't. They haven't done that. They haven't proven that this off season. But it's a lot longer trip than that. I mean, this this has got to be something they've got to continue to add talent talent on this roster, even throughout the regular season. Now that's just how the NFL is. But it's been too slow right now. I uh, I got to go at my man Frank here for a second since you mentioned trade. Um and uh, Frank, I I got to ask you why 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 you think there might be something uh brewing behind the scenes 
on trading Kyler uh, for somehow Deshaun Watson and maybe even um, uh, well, oh, why am I forgetting forgetting his name? Oh, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. I, bro, what? <laughs> I felt like you had that on draft for like two months and then accidentally sent it out. Like, what? <laughs> well, look, I'll say this here. Our two experts have just eloquently put it that Steve Kahn sucks at the draft. One, most of his players he's drafted have never been pretty amazing. Two, the only thing that's on the table is that he's been quiet the entire offseason. Three, and so therefore, and so eloquently put it in, in, in both tables that Steve is waiting on something to hit a big, a big one-time deal. That's what he's waiting on. And so guess what? There's probably, in this chat room, when we talked about Kyler Murray, there's probably three-fourths of the chat that doesn't like Kyler. They're half and half, 50-50 on his character, how he acts with his antics. Definitely Johnny Venable hated the fact that he scrubbed the entire media for like no, two years. No, he didn't hate it at all. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> then, five, everyone says he's not worth $40 million. So when you think he's not worth $40 million, then why would I stay? No one wants a five foot nine whining baby. That's what that's little. These are statements made by the media across the board because they don't want a guy see on the sideline like this here. And then he comes in the media, he acts like he's six foot 12 and he don't have to ask questions. No, we're not accepting that. So what, what I think will happen, they haven't signed our quarterback yet. He's having the guy is 70 touchdowns, 20 rushing touchdowns, 11,000 yards, two time Pro Bowler, NFC, NFL rookie of the year. And we're trying to figure out. If we want him or not, that's what everyone's been saying. We're not sure we really want him. Now, the spin out is that we've already signed our general manager who has been very average at his job and our coach who has been very average at his job, definitely in the second part of the season. So why not make it? Why not put up something that says you guys are way too quiet, way, 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 way too quiet. There's still some room out there. And I think, guess what? The bomb, a bomb trade would be something like that. And if you figure it out, that would be something that says, guess what? We're moving in a new direction. We got five years to figure it out. I got five years to figure it out. He got five. Guess what? Trade him. We can move on from that conversation. I, I get that. I get that. I get the a bomb trade of sorts to be to be had. Sure, but I don't. I don't get why, how, or why anybody in the, in the world would ever trade for Deshaun Watson and then subsequently trade him again. Um, well, or Tyree Hill. I would say a Deshaun Watson like. So uh, okay, because I was thinking the way that read was you think that they're going to trade Kyler and somehow have like a three-team deal and get both Tyreek Hill and Deshaun Watson. And I was like, listen, we're about to announce some really cool edible freaking thing, but uh, you must have already gotten a pre-sample because there's no fucking way any of that could ever be a reality. So I'm glad you clarified that. I was worried about my man's Frank. I was like, oh, does somebody need to go check on him? Because this does not seem coherent at all. No, I was saying that they could. They, he's waiting for a bomb like trade, like those guys, where you can get that much compensation for him because it would only make sense if you got that much compensation. And guess what? I would almost submit to you guys if you put on a poll, you guys would not be, if you put a poll up and said, how many people would be opposed to a trading of Kyler Murray to get three first round draft picks or to get as many picks as they got with the compensation they got? You guys would, you'd be, you'd be okay with that. And I think, no, that would do it. It, no, no. Okay. No, stop yeah, putting yeah. words in our mouths. Not Frank. I, go back and look at the tape. Johnny and I have never been anti Kyler. Go back, Frank. Go back to sleep. I don't. That's what Bird. That's what Bird came trying to say. 
Frank had a bomb pass now. He's still dreaming. He's still dreaming. I, I don't think Kyler's as polarizing as a, a figure that, as you think he is. I mean, I don't think it's no. even 50 50. It's, it's more, it's three quarters of the fan base believe him. Maybe, maybe less than, than 20, 20% are like, He's too short. He can't get the job done. I don't. I think the majority of people believe in Kyler Murray, want this team yeah. to, win, and are just waiting for that that news to drop. Bo, how many guys this on you guys right? Bo, on oh, yes, ask the question. Would you pay Kyler forty three million dollars a year? Yes. Yeah. Probably. Oh. Yeah. What are you gonna oh. do? Be the Carolina Panthers and not have a quarterback? You're play. We're gonna talk about this. Here in a second, your playoff team with Kyler Murray today. You have the six best odds in the NFC via DraftKings to make the playoffs. You take Kyler Murray off this team, you can give me infinite draft picks. This team is not going to be relevant for the next two years minimum. It's a long ass time. And you got to then hit on your picks. Kyler Murray makes you a playoff team indefinitely, assuming that the rest of the roster just doesn't go by the wayside. You're a Agreed. playoff team. This franchise, you know it, Frank. How many playoff appearances have they had in the history of their franchise? Not nearly enough. That Not that is enough. underrated. I'm sure to Michael Bidwell as well. So they'll they will pay him eventually because they know that fact. You're a, you, look at look at these teams in the NFL that are selling their soul literally for quality quarterback play. Have, the Indianapolis Colts every year for the last four years having a new starter at the position. You mentioned Cleveland. They're hiding right now after this acquisition of Deshaun Watson. They're not showing up to anything because they're embarrassed, but they're selling their soul for quality quarterback play. The Cardinals have it right now. They've got the best young quarterback in the history of their franchise. No way they're trading him away. Also, they, can I say this? Can I say this just because I haven't been on here all week? It's been a little yeah. while since I've been on this show. Welcome, Brock, first of all, formally. Um, but uh, the way the Cleveland Browns did this whole thing is just so freaking dirty. It's so grimy. That first year contract, are you kidding me right now? Or like basically if he gets fined, it's it's the equivalent of like $50,000 a game. Um, but next year, if he's to get fined or suspended, then it ends up being like something like $2.7 million a game. Like the way they structured that whole contract made this entire thing even more grimy. And I absolutely hate, hate, hate the Cleveland Browns for the way they went about all this. Um, I don't care what the situation is with Deshaun Watson anymore. I think all of them deserve to lose every single game for the rest of their football lives. It's a travesty what they just did. So anyway, that's just my two cents. Let me hit this real quick. Let me children five and older eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. Safe, free and highly effective COVID-19 vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov. Find vaccine for a location near you. Saul, that lid. Why are you the only one right now on the show with one on your head? Because you motherfuckers don't come to the office. That's why. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> don't set yourself up for failure, Bo. I'm not going to play games now. The hats, the hats are here. New release. Get it up if you want one of these four beautiful lids. You got the dad hat. You got the trucker hat. You got the fit. New released. It's at phnxlocker.com, Johnny. The dad hat. I like how you're phrasing that. I I will try to rock the fitted hat, um, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but I am very thirsty for my hat. I'm excited to get it. Uh, I've been told I'm getting multiple. 
which is, you know, just tremendous. You can go to gophnx.com, become a member, get a free t-shirt and then pair it with your new hat. What's that? Where'd you hear that from? I think I thought you told me I could pick out a couple. No? Is that oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forget. You you and Bo did send me your list. My bad. You're right. Thank you're you. Right. Thank you're you. Right. God, he's cutting my readout. Did you say I might get a hand? It makes me sad. All right. My bad. I kind of uh, looked Jose. at Shane and I was like, what is he talking about? I had oh, to buy yeah. one. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I can't given the source. That's a good way to lose a fan base. Trade their favorite player. Yes. Uh, you would see the already um, dwindling fan base after their home uh, showcase last year go by the wayside if if the Cardinals were to trade Kyler Murray. People would legitimately give up on this franchise. Um, I hope they get the same old Browns again. Um, there's no reason to believe the Browns are going to be successful because they've never had sustained success. Um, Jose saying the fans have spoken. Um, Watson, this is a really good point by Jordan P. Watson and Kirk have effed up the market. I would agree with that. Um, you got to let now, it settle, man. Yep. That's why we haven't seen title. Beckham or or Jarvis Landry or Odell uh, or Julio or AJ Green. None of these whiteouts know what to do now with their agents. And then Watson's market, the Cardinals screwed that up by not extending Murray before the Watson deal, uh, before the Stafford deal. I mean, the Rams were able to pay Stafford. It was they, a non-headline. By what the Cleveland Browns are going to do. I mean, if, if I just mean like the sense of urgency now, it's like, what do you, you can't go backwards. I think a lot of Kyler's contracts can be guaranteed. I would say like three fourths of his contract, which doesn't bother me. We talked about it. Like you, you expect Kyler Murray to be on your roster for the next five years minimum. I don't care if I have to guarantee a large majority of it, but I'm not Michael Bidwell. We've had people in the comments saying you got to put that money in escrow. I don't know how that all works, um, but I'm, I'm sure now it's a difficult situation for Michael. Installment plans. It's like when you you have to finance Kyler's contract, you don't have enough money to pay it. I think he's fine. He just bought a PJ. I think he's good as far as, you know, pay, picking up the tab on, on Kyler Murray's contract. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, was it nine, the over-under win total right now? I mean, that's because they've got a player of the caliber of Kyler Murray. Uh, I mean, what do you guys think about this? Was that via DraftKings, Johnny, where you saw that yep. number? DraftKings, among other sites, uh, nine, nine and a half. Um, I, I would take, I would take the over. Frankly, I think they're going to win ten games. I think that's the sweet spot for this franchise right now. A lot of people are saying like six, five on Twitter. I'm not seeing it. I think they have been too competitive in their own division. I think the Seahawks are bottoming out. I, uh, I, I, I do think the NFC. AFC West is very difficult, and that's its own beast. But I, I do think that they will make up ground playing a lot of these bottom feeders in the NFC. Like, eventually, Cliff Kingsbury has to beat Matt Rule in Carolina. I think the Cardinals find a way to get to 10 wins this year. I really do. I mean, that home slate is uh, it's the it's unbelievable. they got to take on the, the Chiefs at home. They've got the game on the road, as you mentioned, and in Denver, which is going to be an incredible show with us and our friends over at DVNR. I mean, <laughs> DVNR. Sorry, DNVR. There we go. I got to deal with all these letters, all these acronyms. Oh, don't worry about that, my man. Little, don't let him talk. Mr. Book. Your yeah, first week. Go. Yeah, Grace. You got a Grace period. You no. Know, Unbelievable. Listen, listen, you're right because they also have to go to Vegas. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, everybody in the AFC West is going to be a tough game. Like that's, that's, that's a four, four team slate right there that you just don't want to play. Uh, but outside of that, I agree with Johnny. I think, I think the, the schedule within the conference, I think 
San Francisco is wildly overrated. I just they don't even have a quarterback. Like, so I'm not worried about San Francisco. We match up well with San Francisco, so that's fine. The Rams are the Rams. Uh, the Seahawks will drop off, and then you got to play the the rest of the the schedule. And I I think they'll be fine. Ten wins is, I think it's about spot on. Frank, what do you think, my man? Man, I'm 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 so like disappointed that we can only accept ten wins out of this team when we're talking about like that's a that's an average number. We had that at the we had that in our hand, tasting nothing but playoff opportunities early in the parts of the season when we had our team. Things are looking good. We were ten and two. And after that, we shit the bed. Or who shit the bed? Or who pooped the bed? Who was that guy? Was it Kyler Murray or was it our coaching that actually fell off the map that we just gave five years to? Guess it can what? be both. I'm not, I'm it not can be both. I'm not sold, brother. I'm not sold yet. So I'm go- definitely going with the under on that right now because and did anything this offseason to, up to improve our team, everything that we've done so far has showed that we really do not care right now. And unfortunately, also- there's a lot of stuff looming out there besides the fact that Kyler hasn't signed. And therefore, we talked about that last year, how it affects free agency when we signed guys early. It made other guys want to come here. We signed nobody. And so what what do we expect? Guys that, that want to come here because we have this 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 amazing roster that we've developed? Not at all. Also, we do need to say we do need to give a shout out to our guy Bergang Travel. He did mention, listen, now now as as brutal as the road trips might be, like this slate of road trips, Vegas, Denver, Atlanta, Minnesota, Mexico City, that's one hell uh, of a slate of road trips. If you ever nice. wanted to travel around the country nice. and watch some football, listen, Vegas, Denver, Atlanta, and Mexico City, probably some of my favorite cities out there. Uh, Minnesota, you can keep that cold shit for somebody else. I don't want it. Um, and and that's going to be fun. Little Mexico City by itself, I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I think that's going to be one hell of a road trip. Um, so maybe we'll try to make that happen and, and join Burgang Travel on that. And if you don't know much about Burgang Travel, you can always check out their website, burgangtravel.com. Um, they do a lot of great work with us, uh, Tyler and crew, and uh, we'll have them again this season for tailgates and, and, and other endeavors as well. So, uh, And, and uh, I'll go ahead and announce it right now, guys. We don't have a graphic, but for the NFL draft, we are partnering up with Burgang Travel. That was confirmed last night. We're going to do it at – uh, the Ainsworth. We're going to have a big-ass blowout. We're going to do a live draft show on that first night. Um, second night, we'll still be live, but we won't be doing it from the Ainsworth that second night. And then third night, we'll just do a post-show post, uh, post show wrap-up, if my guys Johnny and Bo agree to that. Um, but uh, I assume... I got, nowhere, I got nowhere else to be. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm <laughs> jealous. Here's the thing. We've done three events with Bird Gang Travel. We're all for three. We cannot lose a draft night because there is no game to lose. Now, if they trade out of the first round, I will blame it on Bird Gang Travel. We will not partner with them again. I have to, I have, to have you on the record saying that. We went 0 for 3 with them this year. Uh, but when all seriousness, they do a phenomenal job. Our events were off the chain this year. Yes. If you guys yes. were at the Innsworth last night, it looked fantastic. Suns beating the Golden State Warriors. Uh, phenomenal job last night by the Suns crew. We will carry the baton, Saul, into draft weekend, and uh, hopefully oh, we're still. So- listen, first of all, slow your roll, okay? We got a, a championship contending team right now. We'll be carrying this motherfucking torch until June at least. Fine. Okay, sorry. Jesus, right, come on now. I'm, all right, come on now. All right, this show, um, I, I, 
I don't know where it went or how it started. It started 50, 56 minutes ago. We've had two gentlemen sh- show up mid midstream. I don't dislike it. Uh, it just it's got me a little. It's got me a little off kilter here. Frank, do you have any Johnny? Listen, I've watched you guys all week. I, I I needed to show up and just kind of you know we we had to stir some shit up a little bit, get you a little riled up, get you a little upset. I like upset Johnny. Like that's my favorite Johnny. And then with my guy Frank here, kind of mixing it up in the sauce as well, man. It's always, it's always a good time, man. That's fine. I, how do you give Bo a proper introduction and how we do things sometimes, man? Definitely. We've had a blast this week. Uh, Bo's initiation, inauguration week. And we're going to keep this party moving in next week because I, I do want to highlight this again. Mr. Damian Anderson is joining yeah. the program beginning on Monday. Our PHNX Cardinals family is growing we were picking up free agents left and, and right, and they're not of the Will Hernandez quality. They are big time first tier free agents. Uh, so we're we're super excited about the additions we're making here. Um, <laughs> I know Will Hernandez is good, but if you check Giants Twitter, they say anything but. So what a week we've had. We've got one more show tomorrow, everybody. Show. Oh, I love People are it. knocking my glasses. Don't do that. All right. Uh, if it's good, if, if it's good with you, bros, you speak your piece today. I'm going to end the show with the following: Go to gophnx.com, become a member, follow us, PHNX Sports on YouTube, follow all of our respected Twitters at Frank Sanders eighty one, at Bo Brock, at Saul underscore Bookman. I'm at Johnny Venerable. We will be back tomorrow to cap off Mr. Bo Brock's first week. PHNX Cardinals live four p.m. We will see you there.